Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Good morning, football fans. Appreciate you streaming in this early with us. We would be Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Uh, our two guests today will be Mike and Mike. Not uh, those two knuckleheads who used to work for ESPN. Uh, no, we've got uh, Mike Gill and Mike Tanyer joining us today. So we've got a good one planned for you. And John, in prepping for today's show, I realize... There's no real on-field Eagles news. They're not uh, participating in OTAs yet. They're holding off a week later than uh, most of the National Football League. So there's nothing really on the field. Oh, but, man, we got off-the-field stuff to talk about. Changes in the NFL rules-wise, maybe changes to the structure of the commissioner's job, a little tete-a-tete on pro football talk between Mike Florio. There's another Mike for you. Uh, and Howie Roseman. Yeah. Yeah. A J.J. Arcega-Whiteside uh, sighting. Oh, we got plenty to sink our teeth into. Just not Eagles and what's happening on the field with them. Um, I, I want to start with the uh, fair catch on the kickoffs, which you and I had touched on earlier this week, and the rather apparent hypocrisy of the NFL uh, that says they're so concerned about player safety, and that's why they want to do away with the 
very dangerous, high leverage kickoffs. Uh, basically, they're coming damn close to taking them out of the game. Uh, maybe that's why you might uh, as well ban it at this point. You might as well. I mean, just get rid of it instead of this nonsense. Start at the 25 yard line. Uh, our, our temple guy, Brandon McManus, got cut yesterday from the Broncos because <clears throat> yeah, you don't need him anymore. Yeah, you make a field goal. That's it. If you're making $3 million as a kicker, that's too much. Talk about overvalued positions since the yeah. NFL is basically yeah. doing away with kickoffs. Yeah, just so we can cut our kicker. He's making too much money despite the fact that he's one of the best in the National Football League. Uh, I know you said it the other day, and I can't agree more. The NFL talks out of both sides of its face. We're worried about the players. It's all about player safety. That's why we're making this decision. Oh, but you'll move games to Thursday night where uh, there's a chance with short rest, guys are going to get hurt more often. Oh, we'll add a 17 game because that's going to increase our bottom line and the checks we're going to get from the TV. Oh, yeah, they're, they're really concerned about injuries, John. Yet they continue to make decisions. If it puts millions in their pockets, they put the players at risk. Oh, they'll absolutely do that. But when they can somehow throw up the flag that says, hey, we're worried about player safety. That's why we're doing away with kickoffs and fair catches even in the field of play come out to the 25-yard line. Did, did they not think that the football fans can see right through this? Um, I, I don't think, again, uh, it's been a theme this week. I don't, I don't think they care about the fans or, or what they think. In this particular instance, it's um, – legal indemnity that's all it is and 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 by the way one one of the guys one of the information brokers reported that when roger goodell evidently all special teams coordinators were against this all 32 of them. oh for 32 oh for 32 and let, roger, let me ask you a question honestly honestly right here right now shouldn't the eagles be for it if you're just purely looking at the football aspect of it, I'm sure Michael Clay has high opinions and optimistic about his team. Coverage on kickoffs, you wouldn't say was a strong suit for the Eagles by any stretch. No, but I, I don't think you want to have that defeatist attitude. And, and if you end up with a player at some point, um, you know, whether it's a, a great kick returner um, or, or a great coverage guy, you know, things can shift dramatically. So I, I, from the Eagles' perspective, and from Michael Clay's perspective, I, I don't think he can approach it like that. Like, well, we stink, so <laughs> I, I, I just don't. That's not how those guys think. I mean, and and they can't. All right, so they, I, I'm not I'm not asking Michael Clay. I'm asking John McMullen, an objective observer from the well. Outside. In the short term, in the short term, it'll probably help them because they my stink. Point. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I don't think they can approach it that right. way, and I understand that, but. You know, as Roger Goodell pushed it over the finish line, so to speak, which has become his job, um, you know, he talked about legal uh, cases, pending legal and and, and future uh, litigation. And this will protect us against that, basically, to the owners. And obviously, the coaches don't care as much about that. Um, so, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Sometimes I think I have to be, but I'm not. And and. So I asked a couple of lawyers, I said, well, what, I mean, is every other opposition lawyer uh, uh, a, a dummy that can't point to, hey, 
what what you just said they're talking about out of both sides of the mouth they do this to protect themselves in this lawsuit but they don't you know they obviously don't care about the players because of this that's the easiest argument to make in the world so i i don't know this this obsession with the kickoffs and it's the most dangerous play in football and nfl modeling says kickoff returns should be reduced by 7% with this rule and and 15% fewer concussions. Really? Can you show your work? Can I get that work? They just make this shit. They pull <laughs> You're no. doubting the analytics of this, huh, John? Nobody ever releases this information. You know why, Jody? Because it's bullshit. That's why. And they know if anybody with a, a modicum, if you actually put it down on paper, it's absurd. And you know what what's what's frustrating about this from a from a football perspective is you have minor leagues doing it better. You have minor leagues doing it better, the XFL, the USFL. I mean, come on. What your ego's that big, you can't say, hey, that's a pretty good idea. Let's just use that. Uh, it's not gonna affect you. Um boy, I why do they do the things they do? Sometimes I can't, I can't even, I can't even go down that route. I can't, I can't explain it. Well, I hope we get into Mike Florio similar. It's like these conspiracy theorists guys. What, what is the end game? They never did the start at the end game. What do you think happened and work back, work back before you throw out every insane conspiracy theory. And with the NFL, what is your end game and work back? If you just want to ban the kickoff, ban the kickoff. If if you're worried about legal indemnity, you, this isn't going to help you. Work backwards. Not right. just throw Since, since you went to Florida, Florio, let's go there next. Uh, yesterday he had Howie Roseman on the Pro Football Talk podcast, and it was almost like a defense attorney trying to uh, – uh, question. Well, he is a lawyer. He is a lawyer. I know. Florio is. And uh, you and I may play one here on YouTube and or on the radio for me or in your column, uh, wherever you're writing uh, these days. We have to know lawyer-like things, even though we're not lawyers. And Florio is a literal lawyer. But uh, I did not know that the Pro Football Talk podcast was a courtroom. Because uh, he was questioning Howie Roseman pretty significantly. And yeah, Howie got a little ticked off. Howie got a little short yeah, with Mike Florio yesterday. End. He called him a conspiracy theorist. And that's, you know, I hey, Howie's very disciplined. I laughed about it. You know, basically that statement was the same statement he gave uh, on draft night when it, when it came down, uh, when they announced the, the settlements, um, talked about the ownership level, blah, blah, blah. Same thing. He said it twice. Mike kept pushing, and then he went to the conspiracy theorist route. And that's what, look, you know, what happened, happened. I, I've said this pretty uh, uh, consistently. I, I've reported it. Nobody's going to say it. If you're expecting Howie to go on, on, on television or uh, pro football talk or anywhere else and say, Jonathan Gannon lost us the Super Bowl. You're not going to get that. You're not going to get that. So if you want to use him as a scapegoat, use him as a scapegoat. That's what I said. But to all these people who think, 
you know, like like Mike was going down the route and so many fans have gone down the route. Again, I ask you, what do you think happened? What do you think happened? Do you think – one of the things that amuses me to no end, they played 19 stinking games, Jody, 19 games before the Super Bowl. Right. But all these people compartmentalized the Super Bowl. Like it just came out of nowhere. Like it came out of nowhere. And these players – by the way, these defensive backs, because that's who I blame. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, that's who I blame for that loss. They were the best communicative defensive backfield amongst the Fangio teams in the entire NFL uh, for the entire season, for the first 19 games. Most of them didn't even get to play the 19th game, obviously. Uh, and then they crapped the bed in the second half of the Super Bowl. It happens. You know, James Bradbury. Uh, two, you, you have two sides of the coin. James Bradbury, accountable. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, not accountable. You have both sides of the spectrum. Um, we we have the NFL Films video of Kansas City. Everybody, Andy Reid just embarrassed uh, 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 Jonathan Gannon and just schooled him. They ran the wrong damn play. It's on video. Don't listen to me. Watch the freaking show. They have Patrick Mahomes mic'd up. They handled it better. They handled it better than the Eagles did. Um, communication. Their communication was great. The Eagles' communication, by the way, which had been great all year, wasn't great. Broke How do down. you explain yeah. that? I, I you know. It's because Jonathan Gannon was thinking about taking over the Cardinals. Yeah. John, didn't you figure that out? Uh, of course. And, and and I said, I forget who said it, and I want to give him credit, but one of our recent guests said, you know, it's the NFL. I think it was John Mishota. I think it was John. So, you know, it's the NFL. You can have the best coaches. Give me the best players. Players, players, players. Now, I'm not saying coaches are unimportant. They're very important. And if you want to blame Jonathan Gannon, go ahead, blame him. But to all the conspiracy theorists, I just, what is your end game? Work backwards. What is the end game? Shane Steichen spent more time with the Indianapolis Colts because he was allowed to during the Super Bowl bye week than Jonathan Gannon did to the Arizona right. Cardinals. One, one quick phone call conversation, yeah. but I guess that so dissected his brain, he couldn't think well enough to prepare for the Super I mean, Bowl. And I mean, I mean and that's where Mike, Mike's been around this. Mike Florio's been around this league for a long time. And, and you're telling... Oh, you're so uh, immersed in, oh, Arizona. What, and by the way, he's already interviewed for head coaching job. This is not like out of the left field that this guy's never been through this before. But then he gets, oh, we're going to interview you after the Super Bowl. And you know, Jody, because I texted you from the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Everybody in, but not everybody, but a lot of people plugged into things in Phoenix un understood Jonathan Gannon was getting that job on Saturday. Yeah, you that, did. Uh, um, it's bullshit. The whole thing is bullshit and it won't die and it won't die. So I asked all these conspiracy theorists to work backwards. So figure out where you want it to go and then get it there. Cause it makes no flipping sense. And the other thing that you've continually noted since then, uh, and you are 100% correct. Shane Steichen was more involved with the Colts than Gannon was with the Cardinals. 
And no one is suggesting that Shane Steichen wasn't prepared for the Super Bowl, wasn't ready for the Super Bowl. The reason that Jalen Hurts uh, committed an unforced error, dropped the football in the backfield with no one touching him, had to be because Shane Steichen was thinking about it. What kind of <laughs> offense he's going to run with the Colts? Oh, my God. How could they possibly get through the Super Bowl with Shane Steichen? Not 100% laser focused. Oh, you don't believe Shane Steichen was capable of doing his job? Okay. But you don't believe Jonathan Gannon was capable of doing his job on Super Bowl Sunday? Come on, folks. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. And the ridiculousness of it, as John has pointed out umpteen times, the rules say that Shane Steichen was allowed to talk to the Colts. Why? Because he had talked to them once before. Because it was his second interview. That week he was allowed to be in conversation with the Colts. Gannon wasn't only because the Cardinals hadn't come around to ask permission yet. So they had to pay the price of the lost spots in the third round of the draft pick, which is ridiculous and ludicrous. Either it's you allow them to talk or you don't allow them to talk. You say, hey, no, you can't have any conversations. They're prepping for a Super Bowl. No can do. You can't make those calls. Or you say, yeah, all right, yeah, fine. Yeah, 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 we have faith. The organization have faith that their guys will stay focused on what they have to do and be able to compartmentalize. The fact that one was legal and the other was illegal was ludicrous into itself. But yeah, everybody's looking for a reason. And you know where, where it is from the fan standpoint. Mike Florio is a different story. But from yeah. the Eagles fan standpoint, they didn't like Gannon to begin with anyway because he doesn't <laughs> blitz enough. So this just gave him more fuel for the fire to dislike Gannon. Then you throw on top of it that he left and he's not even coming back. So, of course, yeah. Jonathan Gannon is going to be public. Well, and, and that's why I said use him as a scapegoat. If that's what you need, use him as a scapegoat. It, it happens all the time in the NFL with coaches. Um, and then that's it. And that's it. Because you don't want to blame the players. I get it. Nobody wants to blame the players. I go with, 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 you know, we've been talking about the Sixers a lot. Nobody wants to blame the players. Oh, it's not that he needs Joel Embiid needs this. Joel Embiid needs that. You don't want to blame the players. I get it. You didn't want to blame Ben Simmons for years. I get it. You, you don't want to blame the players because you love the players. Until they're no longer with the organization. Yeah. Oh, then they'll throw dirt oh. on that grave real fast, God. CJ, perfect example. Oh, you got to get CJ back. You got to get CJ back. Oh, it's so disrespectful. Get out of here, you You know what. Uh, that, that You know, it, it, it's part of it. Um, that part I get. That part I understand. You know, yeah, from Mike's standpoint, I don't know what he was trying to do. I, I wish Howie would have went that route, Howie went the conspiracy theory route. I wish Howie would have asked him, like, what do you think happened? What 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 is the big what is the grand conspiracy here? What here's, is the grand conspiracy? Here was the only thing that bugged me about that whole thing, because you and I are on the same page as how it shook out, what conversation were when, and what effect it did and didn't have on the Super Bowl. The whole Cardinals self-reported themselves. Why did they oh, even go there? Bullshit. I know it's bullshit. I'll go 99.9%. It's yeah. bullshit. Somebody got word that there was a conversation had, so the Eagles dropped a die, and I don't know if Lori made the call directly. Supposedly, Lori and Bidwell negotiated out what the draft pick compensation would be. But I guarantee you, Someone from the Philadelphia Eagles organization got in touch with the league office and said, hey, this came down and this just isn't right. You have to investigate. They found out there was a conversation that was had that wasn't supposed to be had. And then they said, we're, 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 we're an agreed party. You got to do something about this league office. Yeah. And they did. And I that, that's 
I've said from the start, and I don't know this, but my guess is that John Ferrari saw it, and that's his expertise, and right. said, you know what? We can take advantage of this situation. Let's take advantage of this situation. And they gained some draft capital. Winning outside the margins, that's what this organization is obsessed with. They did it. Um, congrats to them for taking advantage of a dumb rule, um, which I wouldn't be surprised if they change it soon. Um, and that's the kind of thing they can do unilaterally. You don't, you don't have to go through the rigmarole, the competition. Committee. They can just change that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed it, uh, but we'll see. So let me ask you a question. If we both agree, sounds like me more substantially than you, but basically you're on the same page, that the Eagles ratted out the Cardinals. And they were in there within their rights to do so. We're not well, saying... How could they do something like that? Uh, they did it because they were felt at least in part aggrieved and they thought they could get something out of it. And guess what they did? So good on the Eagles for that. Um, but why, why the need to say the Cardinals self-reported? I don't believe that. I don't buy that for one millisecond. Does it really look that much more above board? Ooh, the Cardinals self-reported themselves. And that's why. Uh, Save base, you know. This or... Would it make the Eagles look bad if they were the ones who called the Cardinals on the carpet? Why do you think it was reported the way it was reported? I think that's sort of what the negotiation at the ownership level is. Look, how can I not look like a blundering fool? And how can I not look like a hall monitor? Uh, you know, Jeffrey Lurie and and and, and Jonathan uh, and, and, and uh, Bill Bidwell. Um that's my guess with that. It's, you know, how do you save face from both sides? And uh, my guess is, hey, let's blame it on poor Monty. Well, it's Monty's fault. Monty, yeah, right. you know, right. first time GM, just got hired, um, doesn't know all the intricacies of the rule. You know, say, I, I made a mistake, and you move on. That's what should have happened. I know, I know. But because everything is a conspiracy, that's not what happened. Oh, so, sorry if I'm throwing a monkey wrench in here by pointing out that bullshit. Then, if you don't think the Eagles brought it to the attention of the league as to what went down, and the Cardinals did not self-report, same thing with college football. The teams self-report themselves for violations. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what's happening. They're self-reporting. Yeah. yeah, no, they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar, so then they have to put some kind of cover story out there. Sometimes. And the NFL, college football, both guilty of sin. They really do take football fans and football media members, more so McMullen than me, but hey, what can I tell you, uh, at for fools. That we can't see the forest through the trees. That when they, they, they got caught cheating, but somehow they go, oh, we cheated. Uh, please give us uh, three Hail Marys and we'll say our sorry. Will you forgive us our yeah. sins? Stop. Well, we're, you know, we're not that stupid. They're taking, yeah. Hey, 7% and 14%, Jody. Let's throw, throw some 7%, 14%. Let's just throw it out there and people buy it. People buy it. I see it retweeted a million times. All right, show me the study. They did they're study. not going to do that. It wasn't done by John McMullen or Jody McDonald or Mike Gill. We can assure you that. Uh, our buddy from down the shore, 97.3 ESPN, the host of the Sports Bash, our usual Wednesday morning contributor, Mike Gill joins us next here on Birds 365. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. <sighs> so go to right, go to look. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. ESPN Radio 97.3 down the shore. Uh, I got to ask this question. Anyway, I promise we'll get into football and Eagle football in particular. Is it chilly down the shore too? This week has just killed me. I got to go out and take my dog out at 6 o'clock in the morning. I got to put on a coat. It's like in late May now. We're days from Memorial Day weekend, and I still got to put a coat on to go out at 6 o'clock in the morning. Cold down the shore too, Gil? Little frost, little nippy down here. Yep. Yeah. I, last week I was on the porch. I'm inside today. Yeah. What What happened to global warming? 
I thought we were all going to be dead. Because no. the, the earth was going it's to be coming. Wood. It's coming this afternoon. It's going to be. It's going to be in the eighties. Global warming in the winter when everybody says it's unseasonably warm in January and fe- we didn't have any winter this year. No snow, just- baby. No yeah. snow. No, you're telling me there it. are no seasons anymore. It's all just one big happy year where the most the uh, yeah. temperature changes is twenty degrees. By the way, I got my Vanderbilt today. I'm on my way. As soon as I get off this call, I'm on my way to Nashville for a couple days. Why? Wow. Where you where you doing in Nashville? My girlfriend's son's team made the national championships for rowing. Nice. And wow. it's about two hours outside of Nashville. So we're gonna spend a couple days in Nashville, then make the drive to uh Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Nashville, very, very cool town. Um um, they did a great job with their schedule release. I don't, I don't yeah, know. I saw you, got, you saw it. They went on Broadway, got a bunch of fans who knew nothing about the NFL. They showed them the logos and said, who is this? Tremendous. Yeah. Watch it. Uh, and you're, you're supporting, uh, let's see, Tyler Steen, uh, uh, went to Bandy. Jordan Matthews. Alabama. Jordan Matthews. Yeah. That bandy football program. That's you know, in the I'll tie this into a little little NFC East. The last time, and I have a Vanderbilt shirt because I buy a shirt in every campus I've ever visited. The last time I was at Vanderbilt in Nashville was the Music City Bowl in the year 2000. Eli Manning was the freshman quarterback for Ole Miss, and he was the backup. He came in relief. They were playing – my West Virginia Mountaineers were up like 30-something nothing. They put Manning in the fourth quarter, and he god near almost brought them back in the game. Yeah. I, I, I think it's very <laughs> interesting that when Mike Gill represents these schools that he goes by T-shirts from, they're almost really, almost always really smart schools. Yeah. He had he, Yale, he had, Mandy, yeah. Vanderbilt. Yeah, he doesn't wear stuff from schools that aren't necessarily known for their academia like West Virginia. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, you always do wear the West Virginia stuff. I, I mean, I'm in the Northeast. What do you want me to do? Yeah, right. uh, let's talk some Eagles football. And it has to do with how the league is moving in certain directions and then what kind of an impact it has on the Eagles. Uh, John and I were d- debating, kicking it back and forth about how uh, the new fair catch rule on kickoffs could actually be advantageous for the Eagles. And John said, well, Michael Clay's never going to admit to that. Nobody's ever going to. The special teams are important, so they're not going to admit. Between you and I, honestly, the roster that the Eagles have, the way they played last year, this is not a bad thing for the Eagles at all. If they have to cover less kickoffs, that's a good thing. They don't really have a great kickoff returner, so nobody's going to take it to the house anyway. So what the hell? If we're starting at the 35, 25 because we're fair catching, so should everybody else in the league. In this one-year look going forward to 2024, at least for now, this decision actually helps the Eagles, does it not? Yeah. What are they, just waiting for the XFL to go out of business? Like, why yeah, not just follow just what they're it. doing? Like, just yeah. do what they're doing. They're doing a good thing <laughs> over there. But, yeah. This helps the Eagles. What I think is more interesting in this whole situation is with this rule and the flex rule, all of a sudden everybody changed their, not everybody, but like people just changed their mind from one week to the next. Like this got tabled. Who's the muscle that decided like you're putting this through whether you like it or not because flex scheduling was on the table. This was another rule 
that the the teams were not on board with, and then they decided, hey, you know what? We actually like this role. Yeah, it's going to help a team like the Eagles, but they're going to certainly push the safety aspect of it. But you have multiple other leagues doing better things than you. You're supposed to be the standard in this league, yet you're too big to say we're going to do what somebody else is doing because they're doing it better than we are. It makes you look like a schmuck. So you're putting a fair catch in on the kickoff to try to just say we're doing something different as opposed to doing something better. So, yeah, it helps the Eagles, but this is more of a stain on the NFL not being able to adapt and not and having too much. This is another indication when we talk about they think we're stupid. You guys were talking about this. They have too much pride to say another league came up with something better than we do. Yeah, I don't I don't know as I, I agree to an, an extent when it comes to that, Mike. But to me, this one is complete completely about pending litigation. So um if they just copy the XFL, which you're right, they wouldn't because they don't want to say uh we're copying a lesser league, but if they just copy the XFL, that doesn't help them in legal cases down the road. Now, now they can say, hey, we're doing this to, to, well, to, isn't to make the, it safer. Isn't the XFL rule and the AFL rule, uh, the AAF or whoever that was, and the USFL, aren't? isn't that kickoff design so that there's less collisions? Yes, but again, like the NFL came out with this hokey study, 7% less kickoffs, 14% less concussions. As I told with Jody, all right, where's your work? Show me. They just say this shit. Basically, same thing, though, with the XFL. Yeah, it's safer. Why? Because they said it's safer. Is it? I don't know. Um, I don't think anybody knows. But from that standpoint, I don't think it helps the NFL in those in those pending litigation cases. And nobody's looking to sue the XFL and the USFL because they don't have any money. So mm-hmm. it's kind of um, baked in that they don't have to worry about it. The NFL does have to worry about it because they got a bunch of billionaires trying to protect their 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 you know what. My only point with that is, yeah, but everything else you do is obviously against safety. So I don't know how much it helps you. That's kind of my point. Yeah, and look, I think they said what's this a one year trial thing? And they, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they did the one year trial on the um, offensive pa- or, or the pass interferences, and then that got pushed out. I can't imagine though that teams are going to be like, "Oh, this is so horrible. Let's get rid of it." Maybe this is just the first course to them redefining what we know as a kickoff. Yeah, I'd ban it. Just ban it. Just get rid of it. Start that, at that could be next, John. Don't yeah. say it too loudly. The yeah. NFL may actually go there. And uh, oh, by the way, again, I'm not a lawyer, and even when I play one here on YouTube or radio, or wherever else, I readily admit sometimes I'm making stuff up. Kind of like the NFL with the numbers <laughs> that they throw out. They're making stuff up as I go along. I, legally, can Rock uh, hide behind a rock and may, pretend that he hasn't made? millions of dollars doing everything he's done up until becoming the head honcho of the uh, XFL. I was going to say, they, they try actually... And get, they try and get some of that SummerSlam or uh, WrestleMania money that Rock made over all those years. 
Yeah, they actually have someone that has money. The league might not have money, but he right. does. Yeah, I'm going after The Rock. I get a concussion, returning kickoffs, and the XFL. Let me, let me get my hands on some of that Rock money. Where's my attorney? Well, that's easy. That's why you have an LLC, and you say you can't go after individuals. That's why you incorporate things. So, you know, yeah. I think Rock is smart enough, or people that work for Rock is smart great. enough. I get myself a good legal eagle. He'll yeah. find a way around that. I get, yeah. I get my hands on some of that Rock money. <laughs> Did you guys did you guys get a lot of push uh, recourse on the flex scheduling at all? Yeah, I'll tell you why it died off again, and it all comes down to whose ox is being gored. Do you think there's any chance an Eagle game is going to get flexed? No, and and we went through the five games this year that could possibly get flexed. There's only one that I think could be like in peril would be the Saints-Rams game. But when you look at it, I I was thinking about this because I I agree with you, Jody. The Eagles would not be a flex team probably in any scenario. Dallas is one of them, and they play the Thursday before, which is why I'm surprised that game, you know, they play Seattle. They both play the Thursday before and then the Thursday after. They're not going to flex Dallas out of that spot. But when you think about it from this perspective, how many people – the Eagles are are, are just uh, uh, an outlier. How many other fan bases travel to a game? You're only kind – and I say only. This doesn't mean they're not being inconvenienced, but you're only inconveniencing about 5,000 people. The NFL sees. Yeah. Meanwhile – they are catering to their television audience, which is about 99% of who's watching that game. So in the grand scheme of things, like, John, you were probably at the game. When the Eagles went to L.A. and played the Chargers that game, when it was like half Eagles, how many actual Eagle fans were there? 10,000, 20,000? Yeah, it's very small. And they and mentioned that, that. And they yeah. mentioned that. And, you know, that's one of, another number, 7% they say of their fans. Right. That's what made me think of it because you guys were talking about 7%. And in the grand scheme of things, they're saying, look, there might be 5,000 people who have to rearrange their travel because most of the people at home are going to the game anyway. They're not inconvenienced. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's what I would do if I were the NFL. Just uh, I'm spitballing here. Those 5,000 people that might Killed just made up a number four. And you might be right, or in the neighborhood. Yeah, the uh, NFL is going to use that number because you said it. Mike. Yes. <laughs> Feel free to open up a toll-free line where if you have uh, proof of uh, ho- uh, hotels and flights and whatever else, the NFL will be picking up your tab. Yeah. Uh, we'll reimburse you for the well, inconvenience that you had because, oh, by the way, Jeff Bezos has given us billions of dollars. So can we afford to give you your $250 inconvenience fee? No. You have to move your flight? Yes. No. They get no. to the buck. What, it's not John. It's 5,000 folks. What they could try to do is have someone try to strike a deal with a, a chain of hotels and say, if you're – if you book at one of those hotels and you book for a game and we flex it, you can get your – if you have proof, they'll work with you. Same with an airline. This is the yeah. official – this is a way to make some money off it. This is the official airline of the NFL. If you book on that airline, they will work with you if we flex a game. And you know who can do all the paperwork? The commissioner of the NFL. Because there's going to be new jobs in the NFL. They're going to have a CEO – who's going to be in charge of the business of the NFL, and he'll be the number one on the top of the depth chart. And the commissioner now is just going to be in in charge of that somewhat unimportant football aspect. Yeah, by the way, 
it's going to be me because it was my idea. Yeah. To Roger Goodell so into important. business and commission uh, or the uh, reimbursement of those that got screwed. Yeah, I'm going to set up the one? deal. I'm going to set up the deal between the NFL, the official hotel partner, and the official airline. If you I, book on that I, airline, I, I, you I, now I see where you guys have gone wrong. Your assumption that the NFL cares at all, which they do not. Um, Wishful and, thinking, I know. But what can I tell you, John? I'm a good yeah. guy. Well, that's yeah. I'm, 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 I'm thinking of the people, man. I'm thinking of the you people. You and I both, Gil. We'll I'm, work on I'm, this together. I'm trying to tell the people the truth. They don't care, and they're not doing anything. And if that happens to you, you're going to get screwed. Uh, they don't care. They just do not care. Um, a lot of fans care about, uh, and they're going off in the comment section already, what are these two knuckleheads don't see we're back to Johnson Gannon. They keep pulling me back in, Mike Gill. This time it's Mike Florio. I'm sure you saw Howie Roseman getting cross-examined. My question to you, and I asked it to Jody, what these conspiracy theorists, and I like that Howie called them that. I, I think he should have pinned him down a little bit more. What do you what what is your end game? What do you think happened? What is it just that? He was so distracted. That's why the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. Yeah. Hey, have at it. Scapegoat him. Is that, I, is that what is the end game? I have no idea how people think, how they could think in this matter. Look, I don't know what everybody perceives, but this is what I see. The coaching staff as a whole, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, special teams, head coach, and all the position coaches – they game plan together, and they all get together in a specified time. We are going to work on this game. The outside times, I can't imagine everybody is walking their dog with their playbook with them, thinking yeah, you about got to. You got to. It's the Super Bowl, Mike. You can't walk the dog. Right. Well, it's like, did Nick Sirianni summons Shane Steichen and Michael Clay to the boardroom and say, John Gannon, if you can't make it, don't worry about it. We'll go on without you. You got other things to do? Go tend to that. Of course not. They all have – like John Gannon has to oversee his position coaches, and they're all going over things. They're not there for 24 hours a day, but there might be a 10-hour window that they're doing that. And if you're there for 10 hours a day and you're not prepared, my God, we're complaining about that. Like, for God's sakes, the guy – took a phone call or did whatever, had lunch, you're allowed to go to the bathroom, you know? You're allowed to have lunch. You're allowed to have dinner. That is allowed to happen outside of the window that you're supposed to prepare for the Super Bowl. I know we all think if you were doing that job, that you would be preparing for 24 straight hours for seven, or 14 days to get ready for that game. But I'm here to tell you that that's not how it goes down. Did I just break news? That's not how it happens? Uh, to some people, you did. Yeah, you might uh, have sadly. disappointed some people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 24 hours in a day. All right. I do want to ask you a couple of rankings question, Mike. PFF came out with their quarterback rankings heading into the 2024 season. And Jalen Hurts did not break the top six. He is seventh in the National Football League going into the season. And what PFF is looking at is what they've done over their career projecting to this season. He had his breakout year, but only one year. 
and the likes of Lamar Jackson, who got hurt at the end of last year, are still ahead of him because he's had an MVP season. Jalen Hurts is not. I would love to come up with some angle for the Eagle fans to be able to go, oh, what a chip on his shoulder Jalen Hurts is going to have. He's number seven. He was just in the Super Bowl. He had an unbelievable Super Bowl. And you're disrespecting him? Johnny's favorite word. By putting him seventh? Come on, Jalen, let's go. But he's already as motivated as they come. So what what are the Eagles actually going to derive from the disrespect that Jalen Hurts gets for being the seventh-ranked quarterback on Pro Football Focus? Well, this is just his life story, isn't it? It's just another peg in the in the way up to where he's been, uh, constantly having to you know do something to prove to people that he belongs. Look, being number seven is actually kind of interesting to me because you go back to the contract conversation. One of the things with this contract was he only did it one year. He had three years of work. One year was a basically a, a nothing burger, his rookie season. The second year... If that was his only resume, he's not getting this deal. He got the deal based on the third year. That's it, period, point blank. So if this ranking is based on your body of work, his body of work has been (laughs) 50-50. One very, very, very good, and the other one pretty average. The fact that the other one was so good and the other one was so average pulls him from the bottom half of the league to the top 10. So he should actually be encouraged by the fact that his one season of body of work was so good that it made him in the conversation for top 10 at his position, where if it was the one season before, we'd be talking about him in the bottom 10, would we not? Um, not right bottom. Around. Well, after his second season, I, where, I had him middle of the road. I would okay, say maybe he's in the bottom half. Yeah, but sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, closer to the bottom uh, yeah. um, ten than the top ten. I'm going to start calling this disrespect season uh, because people get so upset with these uh, uh, these lists. I mean, if you don't like a list, go to the next list. Who cares? I mean, and I get why people do it. In in this case, that's Sam uh, Munson from uh, Pro Football Focus. It's not even pro football focus. It's Sam Munson from football focus. It one guy. It might be Chris Sims, might be Pete Prisco and CBS. It might be Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. We were talking about might be Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN in South Jersey. Just go to the next guy. I don't have the patience to sit down and then break hairs of deciding who's 17 versus 18. Like once yeah. you get to that spot, I don't give a shit anymore. Like you're yeah. just you're just mad to me. So whether you're 17, 20, 25, you're essentially the same guy. You, you know, there's a handful of guys. You got asked a question last year about Mahomes or Burrow. Who would I start my franchise with? And my answer was surprising <clears throat> to some that I said Burrow. And people are like, he's not the better quarterback. I said, he may not be better. I don't know that, but I know this. Joe Burrow took a shitbag organization and made them a Super Bowl team. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes had a team that was pretty darn good, and he stepped in and made them better. Could Patrick Mahomes take a team that was a complete nothing burger their whole lives and make them a Super Bowl team in two years? I don't know. I know Joe Burrow could. Yeah, but if you said you had this conversation before last year, 
when Mahomes gets his second pelt on the wall and Burrow's still looking for his first, that kind of moves. Right, but there's a up. lot of there's a lot of pressure, and and it's a different thing when you come in as the number one pick and you're taking the worst team in the league, and tr- he made them, and that's they're not just the worst team in the league; they're one of the worst franchises, poorly run, poorly thought of, cheap, and he made them a Super Bowl team. He made them a Super Bowl team. I know Mahomes, I said, is the better player. And I probably would say, if you ask me what quarterback I want on my team, I'll take him. But to start the franchise, I know that guy can make a lousy franchise great. I'm not sure that Mahomes can make a lousy franchise great. Yeah, I you know, you, you bring up a good point, Mike, because everybody – look, here's the hardest thing. When you rate players, rate teams, rate everything, everybody's in a different situation. Might be coaching staff, might be organization, might be – and that's what makes it difficult. Um, you know, we talk about the Eagles and the Bengals. I always laugh, you know, if you put the Eagles personnel department next to the Bengals personnel department, it's like 25 to five, um, you know, and we all, I'm ahead of the curve when it comes to Howie Roseman. I used to get a lot of hate. Mike knows a lot of hate for saying, you know what? Howie's one of the best GMs in football. A lot of hate. Now I've kind of turned. People want to give him credit for everything. Like, Jody, I mentioned yesterday when you said they signed all their picks. Who gives a shit? Everybody signs their picks. I'm not giving credit for that. Uh, what a, you know, you, you look at somebody like Duke Tobin. Nobody says ha- Duke Tobin's better than Howie. He might be. He might be for what he's working with, for what he's done with that team and building that roster with three scouts. He might be. That, yeah, but, but that's that sliding scale. Here's where I'll say no, because I got to agree with Gil, even though I take Mahomes over Burrow. Burrow fell into his lap. They they finished with the worst record in football, so they had the number one pick. And they didn't have to do a lot of film study and get in a room and debate and scratch no, and claws. I agree with that. I take. agree with that. Hey, I... let me call out Joe Burrow's name. Watch the team no. from here to here. No, but, way, I take well, to, be fair, to be to fair, to be fair. They had started to build some foundational pieces so that when Burrow stepped in, he had a T. Higgins. They ended up getting Jamar. Yeah, they Chandler. have more than they have more than than Joe Burrow. He's done a good job with that roster as a whole. I'm not even saying he's better. I'm saying you can make an argument because of what he has to work with. It's it's certainly more difficult for him uh, to build the roster that he's built, and it's a pretty good roster beside Joe Burrow. Now, part of it, you're right. You know, if you're bad for that long, you start getting the Jamar Chases of the world because you're drafting so high. And part of that is just the Lions are in that situation too. They were so bad for so long, you wake up one day and you say, oh, they got some good players. So it is very difficult. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes with Andy Reid, how much credit do you give to that? I always go back to 99. I say it all the time. I've said it on the show a hundred times, Mike. What if Tim Couch ended up in Philadelphia or Achilles Smith or even Dante Culpepper was a good quarterback um, before the injuries took over? What if they ended up with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb had to go to one of these shitty places? What happens then? Right. Tim Couch is in the hall. Tim Couch is in the Hall of Fame, probably. Possibly. <laughs> possibly. Um We'll never know. We're not we'll sacked four hundred and seventy-three thousand times. Yeah. That that's probably pretty true. Well, I, you wonder that a lot about these guys. Like Tim Couch could have been great. He just ended up at an expansion team and never got the opportunity. 
Yeah, yeah. David Carr, not Derek. David Carr. David Carr. Um, David, uh, you know, he got sacked so much he was destroyed, destroyed. So you never know. Situation matters. And every once in a while, say. when I see David Carr on the NFL Network, he says something that I don't understand. I go, "Oh, it's all those sacks. It's just coming back up to bite him." He's pretty good <laughs> for the most part, but every once in a while, he comes in with something from out of left field. Oh. Going, Oh, how many times was he sacked again? Oh, that explains it. Like, I, I, one more question they, for you, Gil, about the quarterback rankings. Kyla Murray wasn't listed. They put out the list of 32, the starting quarterback of each team, and they chose not to rank Kyla Murray because they believe he's not going to be ready for the season. You, me, and everybody else believes that as well. They did rank Brock Purdy. And if your quarterback isn't going to be your starter week number one, as seen by the fact that Colt McCoy was number 30 or 31 out of 32 as the Cardinals starting quarterback, Brock Purdy listed as the San Francisco starting quarterback. Now, I think you talk about disrespect, number 23, for the undefeated Brock Purdy before he got <laughs> to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, it's pretty disrespectful, if you ask me. Um, they're talking about Purdy being ready for the beginning of the season. Yep. Some people, I don't know, like John McMullen maybe, thought that they wasn't going to be ready till November. He's going to be there week one for the 49ers. Should the Eagles have the fear of Purdy in their heart? Where was he on the list, by the way? 23. 23. Just 23. He's going to start throwing next week. I mean, Bryce Harper set the standard. If you're not back in this injury within six months, you're a nothing burger. Exactly. Um, and, and yesterday, I guess it was yesterday, Shanahan said, he's like, we have two guys that happen to be top five picks in this draft, and we have another guy who played like one. That's what he said, right? So it, it sounds to me uh, he's going to start a throwing program last week, uh, next week, and you would imagine right now he might be the favorite to win that job and the 49ers – by the way, the Philadelphia Wilt Chamberlains, they got a rule put into place because of what they did. You know, they were their defense was so good, that John Gannon guy. Their defense was so good. Whoa! What are you talking about, Mike? Their defense was so good that they got two quarterbacks knocked out of a game. They had to put a rule in to fix it. But, hey, I think them having Purdy um, in the mix here, Certainly uh, makes it more interesting out there with two right. top more five. More than in the mix, you reference Shanahan. Shanahan said he'll be our starter if he's good to go. He's going to be their starter opening day. Now, the, now, the Joe, now to to, to 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 defend myself to Jody, Mike, does my uh, mail-in medical degree from Western Samoa uh, is that less than Sam Munson's from What's the Matter You? Uh, you know, <laughs> don't 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 believe medical. Uh, uh, rehab timetables from me or Sam. Right. Um, I just know you, and you're a baseball guy, Mike. You're a baseball guy, Jody. You know what UCL means to pitchers. And it's not good. It's not good from a perspective that he got hurt uh, late January, or was it early February by that point? Uh, and he got to play in September. Um, I don't know. Bryce Harper's back, but he doesn't throw the ball. Uh, he's got to throw the ball. Yeah, if so, Bryce Harper was a pitcher, he would not be back right no, now. No, exactly. So that's kind of my point. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it is yeah, my point. Yeah, keep this in mind, too. 
Uh, Andrew Painter, who is a pitcher, he has a sprain. It's not a tear like Purdy's, but he's been out April, May. He's going to start doing like 120 feet next week in June. So you're talking about three months for a guy who didn't even tear uh, his uh, UCL. So we'll see when he's ready to go back. But yeah, I mean, it seems like an escalated timeline. It was probably the last week of January, the first week of February. So you're talking about February, March, April, May, June. July, August, September would be eight months for him to get back. And if he started a throwing program next week, I would imagine that he would be ready to go by September. Yeah, I don't think he'll be ripping it next week. I think it would be <laughs> 120 feet. And yes, throwing uh, program is, yeah, it's uh, probably throwing it to your dog in yeah, the backyard. That, that, that don't think he's going to be doing it with Hassan Reddick yeah. uh, breathing down his neck. But if he is ready uh, for opening day, we can credit a little mod- advancement in modern medicine as well. All right, so uh, you're off to Nashville. Which uh, You're the world travel, both you guys. Which Tennessee town is cooler, Nashville or Memphis? I've no, only Nashville. been to Memphis. I've Nashville. never been to Nashville. Nashville by a thousand miles. Yeah. I haven't Five. been to Memphis. I've been to Nashville. This will be my second time, but it was 20 years ago. The hockey team had just gotten there, so the town was not – what it is now. So this will be, I got to call my buddy Teron Davenport down there and get a tour. Yeah, exactly. Teron's Teron. been on the show. Yeah. That's one of the coolest cities in America. I would go to say Nashville. So I hear, so I hear, I don't like, I couldn't remember one thing of, I remember the stadium is like on the other side of the river. It kind of sits there. They're trying By to get the a way, new they're getting a new. They're getting a new stadium. They're yeah. locked in. They already locked in. Uh, they're going to, they're going to ultimately get a Super Bowl. They've already locked in WrestleMania for, wow. I don't know. You like it. Maybe I'll go catch a Nashville sounds game. They're at home tonight. There we go. Are they uh, really? They've already locked in WrestleMania. I thought Philadelphia next year was as far as they've gone. They, um, they're like the Super Bowl now. WWE. They're doing yeah. it three years in advance. They, they announced it. The the mayor of Nashville announced it. Uh, they haven't announced it, but really, really? Right. Um, well, I'll believe you. Uh, as I said, I've, I've never been in Nashville in the Memphis. Uh, give you both a, a guess here. Why would Jody Mack go to Memphis? One reason and one reason only. Baseball winter meetings? Were they in Memphis? Good guess. Incorrect. Gil, you want to take a guess? Uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Incorrect. Both of you. But nice guesses on both. Mike Tyson against Lennox Lewis. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yes. Nice. That's why when I was down there. Uh, they sent it there. You know, they'll Even better. pay for the radio show to go down if you hype the fight for a couple of days. So we got a free trip to Memphis out of the gig and watched Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis. And we got to hang out in Memphis for three days. Peel Street versus Broadway. I'll take Broadway. But that's me. Uh, debatable. All right, uh, Gil, always a pleasure. Looking forward to what uh, T-shirt hype uh swag you'll be wearing next week i got plenty more in the arsenal guys i know people look forward to see which one i'm wearing each week i'm not running out i won't run out another university that mike that mike gill did not attend find out next week who will be wrapping on his t-shirt thanks mike we'll talk to you next week thanks mike that is mike gill from 97.3 espn radio down the show the host of the sports bash that has John McMullen showing up almost every single day. And he'll probably suck him in for a spot later on this afternoon. Nah, we're so. taking a break until uh, training camp, at least. So okay. I get to breathe a little bit, um, um, probably before training camp. We'll see. We we'll shall see. see. Uh, McDonald and McMullen, your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Uh, coming up next <laughs> hour, Mike Tanya.
NFL contributor for the New York Times. Going to jump in with us here on Birds 365. Imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
LES Eagles. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac, hey, I'm here. I'm very appreciative of what I Oh, uh, while you're at it, if you're so moved, I don't want to be over influential. I don't want to seem like I'm begging. Uh, sometimes, as we've discussed a couple of times, a couple of different ways. This is not the day, but yeah, we, we got to like the show. Like it. This is uh, not the day. We've upset a lot of people, Jody. Because uh, we've quasi defended Jonathan Gannon. Is quasi defended. Referring to That's all I do. That's all I do. People you know, do. We don't even like the Eagles. By the way, the people not figure out I am not an Eagles fan. I am very above. I am very honest about that. There, there are cheerleaders. I am not a cheerleader, so that's not the place to come for that. And I've never been a cheerleader, but uh, yeah, some people understand. Some people hold it against you. That's okay. We appreciate it. If you just like the conversation, you can still hit the like button, even if you don't like us. Even if you don't like us today, because, again, we're coming. And they just suck me into this, right, McMullen? Yeah. The Eagles were the number two ranked defense in the National Football League during the regular season. Yeah, number People one ranked passing defense. They seem to overlook that or forget that or whatever. Number one. Number and one. Somehow that has slipped the attention of so then those of us, this was the best I saw on the stream today, the McMullen and McDonald take of defending Jonathan Gannon is now a hot take because the majority, the people in the right are those that just destroyed Jonathan Gannon and rip him, rip him a new orifice. But those that point out the fact that the Eagles were the number two defense for the entire year and number one against the pass. Oh, you're just hot take artists that are trying to annoy the righteous majority of people. I don't well, I, let me make it a question. Do you believe that if you took every Eagle fan, all however many of them are, millions or two or three or four, whatever, whatever Eagle Nation <clears throat> in includes, all those who uh can sing fly Eagles fly. Do you believe that more than half of them can't stand Jonathan Gannon? Or do you think it's a minority, but a vocal and outspoken minority who say, yeah, this guy can crash and burn and die as far as I'm concerned? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, most Eagles fans are pretty passionate. So I would say most have gone over to the uh, hate Jonathan Gannon side. I Passion over common sense? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean... It, that, that you know, one of the things I get all the time is, uh, you know, you're too close to Jonathan Gannon. And as I mentioned, I, I got news for you. I'm closer to Shane Steichen than Jonathan Gannon. Um, but nonetheless, um, and by the way, as you know, because you do the show with me, I've been criticizing the guy's scheme from day one, Jonathan Gannon. I don't like it. I'm the one who doesn't like it. I'm pretty consistent. With where I am, but I also give the guy credit. It's ironic because people want me to be a cheerleader, Jody. But when I point out the good parts, number two defense, number one, then it's ironic that the Eagles fans go down the route of, oh, they didn't play anybody. Anytime they play a good quarterback, they they fail. Like the, the 31 other teams in the league, they all have this difficult schedule. And the Eagles are, and you're the Eagles fan. 
because that's how blind you want to hate this guy. And I said, hey, use him as a scapegoat. Do what you need to do to get through the day. But it's it's ridiculous. They had the number one pass defense in the NFL, as you mentioned, the number two overall defense, 70 sacks, turnovers all over the place, limiting explosive plays, what's not to like, and poor breaking Sean Desai. If that's not good enough, again, how do you get to the Super Bowl? That's an accomplishment, getting to the Super Bowl. You don't just get there every year and say, oh, and by the way, they played great the first half of the Super Bowl. It was only half of the Super Bowl. That's not good enough. This guy's a disaster. This guy's the worst thing. This guy's the worst coach in the history of the NFL. By the way, not me. He got a head coaching job. And oh, by the way, Jeffrey Lurie tried to convince him to come back with a massive raise. Not my fault. Very true on all fronts. One interesting question off what you just said. Uh, two things. Number one, his defense, you were describing John, he didn't like his scheme, Jonathan Gann's scheme. It's not really even his scheme. It's no. well, that's someone else's scheme that he adopted. But I guess once you take it under and you're calling the plays or whatever, it becomes your scheme. Even though you call it, I call it, everybody calls it the Fangio scheme. Um, but if you take it, then I guess it is your scheme. Uh, so that that's interesting. And you're right about Sean Desai, which, oh, by the way, you were there. I wasn't, uh, but I watched the entire video. I thought Sean Desai was smart impressive, uh, even savvy with the way he did play up to the Philadelphia fan base that we want to be like our city gritty. And uh, so he handled himself very well, which is nice. It really doesn't mean all a whole that much because I remember uh, Nick Sirianni's first ever press gathering was a pretty close to complete failure. And now Nick Sirianni is held on high here in this town because he's done the job actually coaching. The actual coaching does outweigh how you handle yourself. But first impressions are first impressions. You only get one shot and I thought you the size was very good. How is he going to handle the fact that they're not going to put up the numbers that they did last year? Hey, if they do, if the Eagles are number one in defense and they get 72 sacks, you can call me on WIP. You can stream us here. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jody MacMan and just lambaste the snot out of me. But I'm pretty comfortable in this statement. The Eagles' defense will not statistically be as good as last year's defense under Sean Desai. And Sean Desai had to yeah. know that. Yeah. Any hesitation at taking the job when he got offered it? No. Said, you know I'm going to get killed only, here? No, there's only, you know. There's only 32 of those jobs. Um, so, no, there's never any hesitation. Similar to what we talked about with Michael Clay when we're talking about, well, you, should you like this rule because your team stinks? He's not going to think that way. You can't think that way as a football coach. Can't. Um, so he's not going to say, woe is me. He's going to say, wow, I got Hassan Reddick. Um, I got Josh Sweat. I got Brandon Graham. Now I got Nolan Smith. Um you know, I got all this young talent, uh, Nicobe Dean, Sidney Brown. They seem to like a lot. 
you know, he's going to play up the positive aspect that, that there's three teams in the history of football uh, that have 70 sacks. I mean, you're going to go back to back. I'm sure when he's sitting at, at night and, and lay down again, uh, I'm not going to get 70 sacks. Um, it, Reddick might be better. Um, Sweat might be better. Uh, uh, Brandon Graham might continue to play at the level. Uh, Jalen Carter, I think, is going to be better. You know, this is a bold, you want a bold, positive statement? I think Jalen Carter is going to be better than Javon Hargrave next year as a rookie. That's how talented I think Jalen Carter is. How are you determining that? Uh, Impact, not sacks. Sacks are an overrated stat. Impact on the game. I think he's going to be a better. I think he's going to be a little bit more defining that, John. That's pretty damn subjective. And um, I, 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 you and I disagreed last year because you kept pointing to Jordan Davis and the impact that he had on the day. You got to show me something. You and I aren't sitting down breaking down game film. There's nothing I can't show you. See where he took up two blocks that allowed another player to make a tackle. Well, they're different players. That Jalen's got to get to the quarterback at time. Jordan Davis is, and you remember when when the Eagles drafted Jordan Davis, I was concerned because I said this is an esoteric pick. I use that word. I you know, Haloti Nada. I can't show you anything other than the all pro accolades and coaches raving about the guy. We were talking about who was talking about Vita Bea the other. I can't show you stats with Vita Bea, but I can show you the Buccaneers are the best run defense in the NFL for three consecutive Well, then did, did Jordan Davis have a bad year last year? I know he got hurt, but when he played, the Eagles were like 12th. If we're going to give Vita Vea credit because Tampa is that good against the run, and we believe it's all starts in Vita Vea and expands out, which keeps Tampa at the top of the run defense in the National Football League, Eagles were middle of the pack. They were great against a pass, and the pass isn't Jordan Davis's forte. He doesn't create pressures and sacks. Did he not get the job done last year because the Eagles were middle of the pack against the run? Um. Not necessarily because they put too much now where he, he didn't play um, and they were, you know, that injury really impacted things. Um, so he didn't play nearly enough to get a, a real good feel. And by no means his upside to me is, is Haloti Nada in his prime, not when he was here, his upside. His upside is Vita Bea. That's his upside as a player. Some people, like our buddy Damo, think he can be a pass rusher. I don't even worry about that. I don't care. I'm not worried about that part of it because the Eagles got pass rushers all over the place. Chandler Carter's a different player, different position. He's got to have more of an impact on the pass rush. Jordan Davis is always going to be more esoteric, and I can't point to you. Now, Javon Hargrave is bad against the run. He's bad against the run. Not even mediocre. He's bad against the run. Great pass rusher, great interior pass rusher. When I say Jalen Carter is going to be a better player, he's going to be better against the run. That's going to be easy for him, to be honest. He's so dominant physically. All right, well, then you think the Eagles are absolutely going to be better against the run this year? Because they've replaced a lesser run defender right in the middle of their line. Assuming Jordan Davis is more healthy than he was last year. How many games he missed last year? Five? 
Uh, four or five. Four or five. Uh, we'll give him five. We'll go at the, the other end. So, assuming he only misses a game or two, so you're getting three more games out of him. The Eagles are just going to be better against the run because they've gotten their Vita Vea-like guy on the field more often. And no, but they, they're they're putting a lot on his plate. They are putting a lot on Jordan Davis's plate. Um, and, and see, here's the problem. Like, are they going to be better against the run? One, uh, he's got to be better. He's got to be better. Two, what is Sean Desai doing? I assume, and 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 it's a good assumption, he's going to run the same defense, which means light boxes, right? So not only it's got to be it's got to be that triangle in the middle, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, Nicholas Morrow versus say Linval Joseph, T.J. Edwards, Kaiser White. I'd rather have. I'd rather have Davis than Joseph, but I'd rather have Edwards and White than Dean and Morrow. So, you know, I think the Eagles need need to do more at linebacker. Um, Nicobe's going to play, but they need something. They need an upgrade that we've been talking about over Nicholas. Patrick Queen, Moore. all it'll cost you, John, is a third round pick. Well, get your I, hands on a top flight hey, linebacker. I mean, he's he's well, you and I have different definitions of top flight. He'd be better than what they have. No question about that. I don't think he's a top flight linebacker. Now, Howie, I look, I'm just giving you my thought process on Howie. I don't think Howie's going to value that player at that level. Uh, day three, I think it's a different conversation. Um, is he better for this team? Yeah. They could find somebody off the street. I haven't looked at, the linebackers left. See, now sure. you're just disrespecting Patrick Queen. Now he's just it's disrespect season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm you're, above you're, board. You're, you and I both call people on the carpet when they overemphasize disrespect. It's disrespect well, you're going season. there, McMullen. They can I, find anybody off the street and be a better linebacker than Nicholas Morrow, like Patrick Queen. That's disrespect. No, I, I, I. If I said anybody, I shouldn't have said anybody. Uh, but. Uh, they can find some, what I meant is I'm sure there's a free agent. I haven't pulled up the list. I'm sure there's a free agent out there who hasn't signed a veteran who's better than Nicholas Morrow. They don't even have to go the trade route is what I'm trying to say. Um, not anybody. Uh, Patrick Queen is significantly better than Nicholas Morrow. I didn't mean to say that, but you see, you keep saying top line. We just disagree. I don't think he's a top light linebacker. I think he's average to above average. I think he played, he's played three years. He was well below average for two years. He was above average last year. Does that continue? Maybe. Maybe he's trending in a positive direction. That's the way possibly. Possibly. Uh, but you think more of him as a player than I do. I'm very above board about that. Um, would he be better for this team? Yeah. I mean, this team, that is the clear – biggest weakness on this team that's clear that's that's my clear. point john and and thank you for uh adding to it in a another way building what was uh gil talking about oh the the borough mahomes thing starting the franchise from day one very first pick you got nothing else around them and you got to make that pick I, I yeah i'm not going to be a patrick queen guy to the level i am I'm talking about the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles as they exist in reality right now. Despite what Peter King said, a team with no weaknesses, I see a weakness. 
it's linebacker. It's certainly more Nick Morrow than it is N'Kobe Dean, because you know how big a, a Dean fan I am projecting going forward because he played all of 30 snaps last year. So it's, yes, a very big projection. That's it. That's the hole. That's the biggest weakness. And if I have to pay a little bit more than I'm used to paying to upgrade at that position, if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles and Howie Roseman, I'm doing it. That, that to me, this is in a vacuum at a position where the Eagles have a major, my mind, major question mark when they don't really have one anywhere else. Why wouldn't I go above and beyond to solve that problem? Well, I mean, do they like the player? Do they like Apparently the player? Not as I much as I do. <laughs> I can't answer that question. Do they like the player? I mean, I, I'm sure they like his athletic traits. Um, it, it's tough not to. Um, again, last year, I'm just pulling it up. Last year, so if we want to use PFF, he was 31st out of 81 linebackers. That's solid. Not great, but it's solid. It's it's above average. Um, and what it, was Nicholas Morrow? Uh, he, well, that stipulated he's a better player than Nicholas Morrow. But guess what? In 2020, he wasn't even that as a rookie. 82 of 83, Jody. 82 of 83 as a as a second year player. 71 of 86. 71 of 86. It'd be fair to say through those first two seasons, he was an abject disaster as a player as a first round pick. And if you were watching him every week during those first two seasons, like you were watching Derek Barnett here, you would have a completely different thought process on Patrick Queen. I didn't watch him him this year the same way I didn't watch him the two previous years. I'm not breaking down game film on Patrick Queen. I, I have my opinion based on all three years and certainly yes, trending in a direction when a guy is a rookie coming into the league. Yeah, you got kind of a little slack. Expect a little bit more. Expect more. He's done that. He's improved both of his years. And yes, at the age of 25, prime time, I think he is with better players around him. And, and Baltimore's defense is good, but I think the Eagles' front line is better with better guys in front of you. I think he'd be that much better here in Philadelphia than well, he was. Well, hey, you know me. And by the way, another guy, much closer to Jim Schwartz than Jonathan Gaddon. Um, I'm a big startup cost guy. That's part of it. And, you know, Patrick Queen had a lot of startup costs. As a first-round pick, though, you can't be 82 of 83. You got to be better than that. Um, He could – look, I don't think he's a great player. Uh, but we got to get to Mike Tanier. I see him in green. Just a quick question, uh, if you got in front of the PFF. What was Hertz's rookie year? Um – Quarterback ranking, coming in, playing for Carson Wentz afterwards. I'm guessing he wasn't all that highly rated. No, certainly not. He was uh, 37 of 38. Yeah, okay. uh, 37 so, of so 38. Patrick Queen's rookie rating at the very bottom. Uh, somehow Jalen Hurts was able to overcome being 37 out of 38. I'm guessing Patrick oh, Queen all right. can do that. Well, if you want to go that Jalen Hurts is going to be, uh, excuse me, Patrick Queen's going to be second in the defensive player of the year voting uh, because he, I'll give him a break. It doesn't have to be MVP. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to bet, bet the house on that not happening. Jody McDonald. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm just suggesting that a guy can have a rookie year where you go, oh, well, look, at oh, my God, he's next to last. How can you expect a guy next to last to be able to elevate to those standards? Jalen did it. And I'm 14 you, of 37 as a sophomore, Jalen Hurts. Not 76 of, of 81 uh, with Patrick Queen level. But Queen elevated uh, well in his third, and I think he's going to get better in his fourth year. All right, coming up next, we're going to go to our buddy Mike Tanier, NFL contributor for the New York Times, talk about all things NFL and how they relate to the Eagles here on Birds 365. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givenish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you, it's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was, it, was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And, uh, uh, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. We got John McMullen and Johnny McDonald, and we got another bearded wonder with us. Always great when we get a chance to spend some time with Mike Tanya from uh, the New York Times. Uh, Mike, I know you checked in early, so you heard the uh, little end of John and I going back and forth. I'm a bigger Patrick Queen fan than he is. Um, we were using analytics to 
evaluate how Patrick Queen should be looked at. So I'm going to start you with an analytical question. Really simple one, as a matter of fact. Over, under. Catches during the season by J.J. Arcega-Whiteside on the Atlanta Falcons. One half. The over, under is one half. Will J.J. Arcega-Whiteside catch one ball for the Atlanta Falcons this season? Where are you getting over-unders on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? What sports I just signed it? yesterday with the Falcons. I figure we showed J.J. some love. Supposedly, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles was a big fan of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Oh, and yeah. He loved it. believe uh, that he, he, John, what were the three picks that uh, the owner is copying? Uh, the only three picks were magically uh, Lane Johnson, uh, uh, Russell Wilson, and uh, Jordan Mailata. Those were three, those uh, were the Jeff Laurie influence. Uh, yeah, three and, for and and much to his chagrin, at least by some part, is reporting uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside. That one hasn't quite worked no. out, but because of that, JJ will always be remembered here in this town. Yeah. So I'm allowing you, Mister Tanya, to tell us: Will he or won't he catch a pass for the Falcons this year? What position is he labeled at? Wide receiver, tight end, or long snapper? It doesn't matter. All you got to do is catch a pass. He can play. He can play any one of them if he catches well, a pass. I, it, you know, know more to add that kind of dynamic uh, playmaking ability to Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Even though you don't have a quarterback, you don't need a quarterback, right? Atlanta's—they're doing things the right way, right? Mac Collins is there too. Yeah. Well, good. Fair point. The, the entire 2019 okay. special yeah, teams is there. Yeah. And B. John Fair Robinson point. was all but an eagle, if you believe some of the eagle fans, that oh. uh, they, they should have taken yeah. him, but they unfortunately yeah. did not. He was all but an eagle, all but a bill, all but a cowboy. I'm going under on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, but I'm not taking the action. I'm not betting on somebody getting one catch because week 18 could come of that That's right, That's And true. it could be benching everybody, and everybody could be injured, and he catches a screen pass, and good for him. <clears throat> That's true. Oh, that's that. true. He was on the Seahawks practice squad for months last year, so he may be on the. Is he too old now, John? With the what? I I can no, use they, You can put anybody on the practice squad now. You can have veterans on the practice squad. Yeah, yes, uh, it's been a while. He actually is considered a veteran at this point. Uh, it's, uh, surprisingly, so it just seems like JJ was drafted last week, but that's <laughs> that's me. Um, Mike, we appreciate you uh, jumping on board. I will ask another statistical question. PFF came out with their quarterback rankings and had Jalen Hurts at seven. Sam Munson. I want to make a correction. Not PFF. Sam Munson. Sam Munson of PFF came out with his quarterback rankings. Is Sam Munson disrespecting Jalen Hurts ranking him as the seventh quarterback in the league right now? I'd have to look a little bit at the, at the procedure, the logic. He's saying quarterback, not passer. I would assume. So he's Quarterback quarterback rankings, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, seven sounds Sounds without sitting here and counting. Sounds kind of okay. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I hope is number one. Um, Burrow, Herbert, Rodgers, Josh Allen. Wait, Herbert's ahead of him. Herbert's ahead of him. Aaron Rodgers, your favorite, is ahead of him. Lamar Jackson is ahead of him. I think that sticks with people. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. That's. 
Because for okay, Aaron Rodgers, you're saying, well, based on what he did a couple of years ago, he's still this. And yeah, yeah. Justin Herbert, you're saying, well, if everything else around him is super extra special perfect, he's going to be this. So you're projecting that, projecting that Lamar Jackson, well, if 2019 returns and he never gets hurt again, and all these other things happen. I love Lamar, but that's a little bit of a projection. I can't I could see justifying any one of them based on like a logic above Hertz, but all three of them above Hertz. It's just projection, projection, projection. Ignore what's actually happening right now on the field, which is Jalen Hurts leading this team, winning games, doing things with his arms and legs. And but that's, I guess, that's PFF logic. I, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and 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 to be fair, I mean Trevor Lawrence is eight right behind, so there's a lot of projection there uh, at number eight. With and I like Trevor Lawrence a lot, but uh, you know, there's. Uh, just a ton of projection, but that's, you know, I call this disrespect. I'm starting disrespect season. Like everybody disrespected all the time. Am I disrespecting uh, Patrick Queen too much? Jody says I'm disrespecting him too much. He did. You, you know, one thing about PFF, they hated Patrick Queen from Jump Street. He did have a very bad rookie year. Jump Street. When when somebody sort of gets a a reputation there, they kind of keep it. Yeah. I think Queen has improved. I, oh, he's I, definitely improved. And you can see the absolute talent. He's one of these guys who will run himself out of position. He can, he can run like the wind, and sometimes he'll get beaten on a fake and things like that. And when you do things like that in the PFF method, it's like, oh, my God, he bit on a play fake, didn't get back on time. You get like a negative 27 in the ranking. <laughs> you do all these other things. By right. the way, Devin, uh, Devin White's same thing to me. Yes. Um, so athletic, so explosive. I've never seen anybody, Mike, have a three-game stretch like he had mm-hmm. in route to winning a Super Bowl. He he was the best player on that team, including Tom Brady. Right. He was the best player on that team. And in a regular season, it, it, all he is is an athlete running himself out of place. Right, right. So if you're talking about somebody like Queen saying, well, what if you trade for him? And what if you change his role and things like that? You have to respect the amount of talent that's there and that maybe he didn't jive with the coaches, didn't jive with Wink, the other coaches there, and say he's got that value. On the other hand, I think you do have to reflect maybe this guy's a liability in coverage to a degree that you have to be concerned about him. But, I mean, if I had Queen, I'd be finding ways to work with him. I wouldn't be like, ah, we got to replace Patrick Queen because, you know, sometimes he makes mistakes in coverage. I just think he'd be a nice fit for the uh, Eagles defense uh, for this upcoming year. All right. We haven't had you on since the NFL schedules came out, Mike Tanier. And John and I both have fun, kind of poking fun at some Eagle fans. The disrespect (laughs) for the opening up in New England. How dare they do that to the NFC champs? It's just utter disrespect and the like. I actually (laughs) think the Eagles schedule worked out really well for them. They start with very winnable games. You knew when the schedule came out, damn, there are much better teams on this year's schedule than last year. So there was going to be a segment of the schedule that was going to be difficult to get through. Oh, they have that week 10 through week 15. And then you had to finish up Giants, who you own, Cardinals, Giants. It starts easy, it ends easy, and you got the real test right in the middle, which you're going to have to do when you get to playoffs anyway, play all the good teams. I think the NFL couldn't have done the Eagles more uh, of a favor by lining up their schedule the way they did. How about you? Yeah, I think there's like some boogeyman teams at the front, especially for Eagles fans. Well, the Patriots are going to be a boogeyman team, no matter how weak they are, no matter how like yeah, unimpressive Mac Jones is, they're always a boogeyman. 
The Vikings, your, your mileage may vary on whether you take them seriously or not, but they're a playoff team. The Buccaneers still have this, you know, you still have Tom Brady, you still have a playoff loss a couple years ago in your head, even though they're not on the team. Okay. That's, that should be a 3-0 start. That should be a 3-0 start if the Eagles are the team who they claim to be, and I think they are. Um, that, that middle is brutal. That middle is brutal. But you're, it's right. You, you can see a situation where they take two, three, four losses in the middle of this Chiefs-Bills 49ers Cowboys gauntlet and then come out and get three wins at the end and position themselves well in the playoffs. So yeah, I think it makes sense. I honestly don't care when they play in prime time or when they don't play in prime time. Frankly, I like it when they play in prime time more because it's easier for me to watch all the other games uh, at one o'clock. And I think some fans agree on that. Um, but the big issue is it is a tougher schedule, no matter how it lines up, it's a much tougher schedule than last year. And that's going to impact probably our expectations for the Eagles this year and what their final results are going to be. Yeah, that's fair. Um, NFC East as a whole, Mike, I think, you know, we all expect it to be a two-horse race at least. And then it's kind of, uh, what do you feel about the New York Giants? Um, we've been having a lot of fun with disrespect. I I disrespect the Giants. I'll, I'll raise my hand. I don't believe in the New York Giants. Where, where are you on the scale of the belief with the New York Giants. I, I'm with you. I think they were a 500-ish team last year that made the playoffs. I think they're a 500-ish team this year. I, I, they're an odd team not to have tried to really, really improve themselves. They're an odd team that said, oh, we're going back. We're running back with Daniel Jones and Saquon and things like that. Now, I think part of what they're doing is they're trying to build very methodically, and that's why they didn't go in and go all in this year. They could look at this division and say that's that could be a waste of money. The Giants did that in the past. It failed. But, you know, I see them as passing, but I don't see them as some team that's going to go out and make this leap and compete with the Cowboys and the Eagles. So if Joe, Joe Shane did it right, they had a good draft. All right, they're not catching the Eagles, and they're probably not catching the <clears throat> Cowboys this year. But do you think they're doing it? Uh, are they doing justice to their fan base by going, listen, we know we're in 9-7-1. We know we want a playoff game, but truth be told, we know the Eagles and the Cowboys have better roster than us. We're going to do this step by step by step. Do you think the new general manager and the assist from the coach are actually doing it the best way? I think so, with the caveat that they inherited such a weird situation from Gettleman that they're still sort of grinding out what's happening. And I think they were caught off guard by their own success last year. I think the logic there was, we're going to go out there with Danny Jones. He's going to kind of prove once and for all, he's like this third tier, fourth tier guy. And we're going to start over and we're going to win five games and Saquon's mm -hmm. going to get hurt again. Instead they have this great season. <laughs> and, and so you're, you're, you're kind of as a general manager, you're kind of fish nor fail because you can't just jettison these guys. You do see some growth from Daniel Jones. And one thing they did well is they came up with a contract for him, which boils down to like a two-year mid-tier contract. They didn't give him Jalen Hurts money. So they're, they're trying to play both sides towards the middle, and that is very delicate. So I think on the one hand, they did the right thing. We're going to build slow and steady, <clears throat> slow and steady. The flip side of that is I don't think Giants fans necessarily see it that way. They think that Jones has arrived, Saquon should get a $90 million contract or whatever, and this team should have done more in the offseason to yeah. – catch the Eagles and Cowboys. And by the way, to be fair, I think the Giants are headed in the right direction. I think they're finally making good decisions. I think Joe Shane is a, has proven to be one of the better young GMs yeah. in football. I love Brian Dayball as a coach. I just don't think they're ready uh, from a talent perspective. 
NFC as a whole, Mike, when we look at this Eagles team, they have some issues, a lot of different bases on the defensive side of the ball. I'm a little bit more concerned about the continuity on the coaching staff because I went through it in Super Bowl 52. I mean, Frank Reich left, John DiPolippo left, and it wasn't the same. I I think it's something to keep an eye on. But clearly, this is a talented team, especially – it's not the AFC where you got a bunch of talented teams. Who 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 will be the challengers to the Eagles for NFC supremacy? Other than San Francisco, I think we all know that's a good football team. They got to yep. figure out quarterback. Yep. Anybody ready to make that leap to be a, a real contender on the NFC side? The Cowboys, they're sitting right there. You know, you add Brandon Cooks as like your number two receiver. That's significant. You add Stephen Gilmore as your number two cornerback. That's significant. Um, so, you know, they're, they're quietly putting the things in place to get better. You know, probably have a healthy Dak Prescott instead of Cooper Rush for an entire season. Those are significant improvements. They get a little bit of an easier schedule this year than last year. A little easier compared to the Eagles even, I think, right now. That's it. Beyond that, it is hard to say. And the 49ers, like you said, it's hard to say. You know, I, li- I like razzing the fans from other fan bases, you know, and I like razzing Falcons fans for some reason, because they're, you know, they're still mad about 28 to three and Falcons fans will come at me and say, you know, we're a 10, 11 win team this year with Bijan and Desmond Ritter. And I'll like, I'll like joke at them and razz them a little bit. And then I'll look at their schedule and I'll look at the guys they added on defense, like Jesse Bates. And I'll be like, mm, you're right. The, the conference is so bad. The NFC is so bad. The NFC South is so bad. That, yeah, you go out there like sort of professional with a good defense and a good running back. You might be a 10 or 11 win team because you're going to feast on the Buccaneers with Baker Mayfield. You're going to feast on the Panthers who have nothing besides the rookie quarterback. So that's what we're looking at. The other challenger is probably going to be some team like the Vikings last year who wound up winning 12, 13 games, getting home playoff games because they faced it on these weaker schedule. Could be the Lions, for example, who I think are a lot of people's darlings. Uh, things break the right way. Jordan Love doesn't work out. Vikings fall back to earth. All of a sudden, the Lions are this team that you have to worry about. Here's my Dallas question for you. Who's getting Ezekiel Elliott's 231 carries and 12 touchdowns this year for Dallas? A- anybody. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fine. Pollard can take some of it. I'm actually looking at who, who their backups are right now. Deuce Vaughn's a pretty good – I don't know anything about the other guys on this uh, line. Somebody's got to do that work, matter, uh, Mike. <laughs> You don't just uh, create 12 touchdowns like Zeke had last year. You do create 12 touchdowns because you create okay. them by passing the ball down to the one-yard line and giving them to whoever, yeah. which is yeah. kind of how those touchdowns get generated there. So uh, those touches are going to get absorbed by C.D. Lamb, by Brandon Cooks, by Michael Gallup, by the new tight ends, et cetera. So they got, you think that. they throw the ball that much more this year because they don't have Zeke Elliott? They throw they throw the ball more and those run it, those those carries are absorbed by a bunch of guys that we had never heard of. And when he, they go out and they get a 15, 20 yard run here and there against the six man box where the safeties are back, you know, in the parking lot. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We know okay. about that, Mike and build help you. We know. About saying, that. You know, like, like, if, if they, if they had Boston Scott, would you be like, well, Boston Scott's going to absorb those carries. Well, Boston yeah. Scott's a pretty good ball player. There's guys on the Cowboys bench who are good enough to take up most of Zeke's value. All right. Well, let's talk about that from an Eagles perspective. If I said the Eagles lose Miles Sanders, you know, he's in Carolina. He's one of their few playmakers, along with uh, Adam Thielen that uh, C.J. Stroud's going to have to deal with. Um, If 
if I said who's going to be the lead back in Philadelphia and I give you Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, or who cares, which which one is, is, is more important to you? It's probably who cares because behind <laughs> this offensive line, they're going to get production from this combination. Guys, just as the Cowboys will with their offense, they have a pretty good offensive line still. So I'm, what I think will happen is it'll be Penny until he gets hurt. Penny's is injury prone. That's that's pretty well established. It will be Swift unless Swift starts making some kind of like mistakes that kind of frustrated the coaches out there in Detroit where he had a very good offensive line. And if you committee these guys and you throw Gainwell, Scott, whoever else is out there, you're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. What matters is offensive line continuity, which the Eagles have, hurts. I was worried more about finding a better slot option, finding a better tight end two option than the Eagles have right now. I was a little disappointed that they didn't make a lot of effort in that place. But I'm not worried at all about what happens at running back because this committee could wind up putting together 1,800 yards. And by the way, real quick before you jump in, Jody, I met Bryce Young. I know I said CJ for for Carolina, so I got to correct myself. You know how people are. <laughs> yeah, quick, quick to uh, point out mistakes. All right, let me try and make a mistake here. Then, um, who's going to replace Roger Goodell when Roger's done? There was a Ursay saying yesterday, we're probably going to have a new structure to the NFL. We'll have a CEO who'll be in charge of business, and then a commissioner will be in charge of football. So it's going to be two jobs. How are football fans going to handle it? They love to shoot their ire at Roger Goodell. Now you're going to have to split it to two guys, a CEO and a football guy. How the hell are football fans going to be able to get upset with the National Football League? That's a good point. I think Ursay lost track of the fact that Goodell's biggest job it was is to go out there and be the guy yeah. that everyone yells at. Like, be the heel, the lightning rod. He yeah, the heel. They're the true heel for you. Yeah. Roger Goodell's the heel, Johnny yeah. Mac. You are 100% correct. Yeah, you guys yeah. call him, he's the Bond villain, right? He's Blofeld. Yeah, like, yeah. He's stroking the cat in, in his basement. You remember the pandemic. He had he had the cat in his basement that's stroking true. it Good like point. Blofeld. It's the Bond. Yeah, that, yeah, that's his job. So what would happen is I think that job would fall to the CEO, if that's how they do it, if they, they do it by the way Ursa is discussing it. And the CEO yeah. would probably be somebody with no football background whatsoever. Um, and that would make, that person would probably be the heel. Okay. Yeah, but here's here's where I, I might have to dif- differ and disagree. I think Adele gets as much heat for anything else as he does being Dean of Discipline. That when he gives out the punishments to the guys for what they did, and oh, it doesn't compare completely to this other punishment <laughs> that he's given out. To him. That's what he comes under fire for more than anything else. And I got to believe that'd be the football guy. You're not going to make the CEO guy become the dean no, of discipline, yeah. are you? It'll definitely be the football guy. The football guy will be the Roddy Piper. He will be the guy. <laughs> and, if, and by the way, if Roger Goodell was smart, he would, he would when he did leave, he'd say, I'm so good, they got to get two people to replace me. <laughs> and really then can. just leave as this great heel. Well, the thing is, he's not going to leave for like what three, four years. I yeah, forget yeah, So yeah. it's so future. So maybe you need three guys. So I think they were using John Runyon for a while as a discipline guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He still Which is perfectly. Let the inmate yeah. run the asylum, right? Yeah. So you have that person there, and then you have Troy Vincent as the football guy who's like kickoffs and things like that, etc. And then you have the CEO, and then you have the triumvirate or or whatever. I can't picture it right now. And I think the thing is, like we said, if Goodell's still here next year, year after that, year after that. We don't necessarily have to picture it. Yeah. But when it comes, there will be a bad guy. 
and we'll know who it is. And, and Mike, uh, you, you do a lot of work with numbers. So when you hear the NFL come out and say, oh, this new kickoff rule is going to be 7% less kickoffs and 14% less concussions. Do you just roll your eyes like me? I mean, where are these numbers coming from? Where are these studies? I need, oh my God. I need, where are they getting this? They just say it and people repeat it. I think someone did some numbers somewhere. I'm afraid they didn't, they didn't make them up. Whether they did them well or not, they did them in some way. And the, the trick to that is if you just take two or three years ago's numbers and say, well, this is what the numbers were and they're going to change, you forget the simple fact that these coaches are going to come up with something else. So the reason why there were short kickoffs going to the three-yard line and guys running them out from the three-yard line and injuries resulting from that is because when they moved the kickoff to the 25, Bill Belichick said, hey, you know what's better than a touchback? Some dude taking a pooch punt at the corner of the one-yard line and trying to run with it, we can get him on the 15. So you get these. So when you change the rule, the Belichicks and the Harbaugh's and the special teams genius coaches are going to come up with something else along the way. So I've heard people say, why don't they do the XFL version of the, the kickoff? Why don't, why don't they eliminate the kickoff altogether? And I think the reason why is I, it's hard for me to imagine football without kickoffs. It's just part of the game. But I, I don't think I'd miss the kickoff in about two or three years after it's gone. I don't miss touchback, touchback, touchback. That's what no, we often why see. Why would you? Yeah. Right. Touchback right. is it. I, I, I would advocate banning it rather than what they're doing now. It's like, what? what's the point? Just ban it. Start at the 25. Uh, the point is, I think they can sandwich a commercial in. Good That's point. a, good, a very good point. That's an outstanding point. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Get another commercial yeah. in there. Yeah. Make some more money. Uh, all right, Mike, I asked you enough numbers questions, so now I'm going to ask you a subjective question. Because John and I have been kicking this around all off season, and it'll start to play out when the season starts. The Eagles have changes coming, personnel. They lost a lot of free agents. They brought some guys in. They had a very good draft and everything else. But they lost both their offensive coordinator and their defense coordinator. Now, they have a very good head coach. We like Sirianni and think that he's moved up quite quickly in the ranks of NFL coaches after only two years. How big a loss is this going to be for the Eagles? They introduced both uh, their offense coordinator and defense coordinator to the media for the first time just a couple of weeks ago. Both were pretty impressive to me, but talking is one thing. Actually, coaching is another. Yeah. How big a factor is it going to be for the Eagles that they have two new coordinators going into the season trying to defend the NFC Championship? It is so hard to say. And when you go through the history of you know, Super Bowl losing teams, championship teams, they lose their coordinators all the time. And it's, it's a hodgepodge. Sometimes the team turns into an assembly line of coaches and sometimes it falls apart immediately and you can't tell along the way. Uh, the reason why I, as a fan, I wouldn't push the panic button is because of the level of continuity, particularly offensive and defensive lines. And I would throw the secondary into that. Okay. These, these coaches are taking over veteran groups on both sides of the ball. They're not like making wholesale changes on both sides of the ball there. The Eagles remain strong on the offensive line. They've rebuilt kind of on the defensive line, and they made that point of keeping a lot of guys in the secondary. That should bulwark them if they have a downturn in coaching, and that's what I'm hanging my hat on right now. 
All right, last one from me, at Mike Tanier. Make sure you follow Mike on Twitter, uh, New York Times. Uh, uh, you can read them there. Uh, Mike, we, we talked about kickers, kickoffs a little bit, so uh, why not end it with punters? This is partially <laughs> to get this news to Jody as well. Matt Ariza is visiting with the New York Jets today. Um, but as a whole, punters. At, at, are we getting to the point where, you know, there was that, I, I'm sure you remember that one high school coach, uh, this is probably about 10, 15 years ago. I wish I remembered his name. Doesn't punt, mm -hmm. does not punt, just keeps going for it, going no matter where he is. Yeah. Are we getting to the point where the punter and the kicker, they might be gone sooner than we expect. That one's hard to say because on the one side you have that. On the other side you have the Eagles going for it more than any other team yeah. last year and doing so more in the past and other teams going there. On the other hand, Ryan Stonehouse of the Titans pretty much sent the, set the punting record. That's true. That's, yeah. what, so what a leg. What a leg. So you have these guys who, when you need them, can put the ball 55, 60 yards down the field consistently. So I – I can't imagine them disappearing and because they're so specialized jobs and that kicker when it's time for a 55 yarder is so important. And that punter, when you are backed up to your own end zone is so important. I think that they're always going to be a punter and a kicker on an NFL roster. And I think they will be two different guys. It's just a matter of, I think we're at the point now where we generally don't think about them much or care about no, them. We, no. we, we worried about sip us in the playoff game when he was shanking them. You only worry about him when something goes wrong. They're like long snappers at right. this point. Um, you know, you never pay attention to the long snapper until you get that first crappy snap. Right. Same so, thing with kickers at this point. Right. So what I think we might say is you want to let that guy who can kick it 50 yards consistently and maybe a guy who is a fake threat. Wow, know, who could be a fake. Like Johnny Hecker was for years. Yeah. Where he throw the ball pretty well. Or like Telchik who could run back way back in the day. And beyond that, it's, it's just a guy. It's just a functionary on your roster. All right, uh, I'm going to get one last question. I was going to wrap it up, but since McMullen went there, I now have to go there with you, Tenure. You've heard the phrase ringing in my ear. Did you hear the ringing in your ear because somebody was talking about you? I'm asking you, if you heard the ringing in your ear yesterday, when Aaron Rodgers pulled up with a calf cramp in Jets practice, because I think I saw a tweet of yours say recently, I made a living out of making fun of the Jets. You laughed. I heard it. Karmically, I heard you laugh when it was reported that Aaron Rodgers had a leg cramp at Jet Camp. Was I correct? Uh, I heard the ring in the ear when he started talking about all he knew about New Jersey was the Jersey Shore show, was the situation in Snooky, And that was like ringing in my ears. And all I could think of is Aaron Rodgers. I, I love New Jersey. You guys love New Jersey. Yes. We love the shore. We love the casinos. Aaron Rodgers is not going to love New Jersey. So stop no. pretending you're going to love New Jersey, Aaron Rodgers. He'll be fine. The cramp will heal. He's not used yeah. to working this time of year. The cramp is going to heal. But we're, we have not heard the last of Aaron Rodgers' misadventures up there in Florham Park, up there in North Jersey. Yeah, we're yeah. going to get Aaron Rodgers down here to South Jersey. We're taking him to Pondio's yeah. Diner, the only place I have ever hung out with McMullen. Uh, great place. To, yeah, don't worry about it. Aaron, we'll get you down here. It'll be great. Uh, my tenure, it is always fun whenever you come aboard. Appreciate it much. We'll certainly get you up again once the camps get open. Thanks for jumping in with us today. Always a pleasure, guys. Enjoy the summer. 
Yeah, is it actually going to come? I I'm waiting for this. It's going to come this afternoon. It's going to be in the 80s, Jody. You got (sighs) 40s in the morning, and then I'll have to put my coat on again tomorrow morning to get the dog out. What the hell? Yeah, it's tough. Happy about the weather. All right, uh, McMullen and McDonald coming back. You know what we got to do? Put a bow on the show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to look. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Golick, uh, no, that would be uh, Gil and Tanya for hopping on with us as our guest today. Uh, always fun uh, shooting the breeze with both of those two guys. I right, Johnny Mac, Eagles in what are they still in phase two? Haven't elevated phase to phase three the way everybody else phase in the league has. Two. Phase two, they're still working out, but uh, they don't get into 
phase three, which is everything you see around the NFL. Everybody's looking at quarterback mechanics, Jody. I see a bunch of quarterback mechanics. Everybody's raving about uh, uh, quarterback mechanics. Yeah, everybody liked the way Aaron Rodgers threw the football yesterday. Uh, duh. He's only been doing it for a decade. Were you not yeah. watching him do it in Green Bay? Oh, my God. Look at the way he throws the football. Yeah, he's been doing that way for a long time. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. He's pretty yeah, good throwing his the mechanics. football. Uh, have been continue to be pretty good at his advanced age of 40 but um when are they going to make uh, more veterans available to you media guys? today today um, all right so i need the john mcmullen prediction wow. you uh gave us a couple of guys last week i think you hit on a couple when they made the the, the veterans available uh brandon graham's pretty much a given today isn't he yeah i, I said that yesterday i think yeah brandon I'm going 100% on Brandon. 100% on that one. All right, give us the percentage on the other guys. How many are you going to get? Uh, I'm and who go, are the most likely candidates? Well, we got four last week and a coach, so I'm going to go four this week and a coach. I'm going to go Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson. Then I then I have to uh, uh, Devontae, uh, Devontae Smith. And I'm going to throw my wild card. It's going to be N'Kobe Dean because he's going to be the leader of this defense. I hope so. And you got to get him out there. I'm going to go N'Kobe Dean and uh, coach. I think they're giving us new coaches. We got Alex Tanney last week. So I'm going to go DJ Elliott in that in that N'Kobe Dean. Uh, theme linebackers linebacker coach. Well, if you're if you're linebacker correct, there's something I am seriously not rooting for, and I feel bad because I guess I'm bad mouthing a guy. But the truth is, what the truth is, I don't want to see Nicholas Morrow's today because that tells me they are not going to be interested in my guy Patrick Queen. That they're ready to go to war with Nicholas Morrow. No, you don't have to worry about that. They might be interested. You don't have to worry about. Patrick Queen in interest. They have interest. Uh, Nick, Nicholas Morrow's contract tells you everything you need to know. They didn't give him one red penny, one red cent of guaranteed money. So uh, there's there's yeah. no shot whatsoever. It's a zero. If you're going 100 percent on Brandon Graham, you're telling me there's zero percent shot. Nicholas Morrow is going to be made available to you media guys. I'm, you know me. I'm going to leave the door open 2%. Two. Because maybe right. nobody, maybe everybody else says no and he's in the hallway and they say, grab him. Morrow, That's get in here. Percent. We need somebody to talk to these guys for 15 minutes. We shall see. Yeah. All right, Johnny Mac, have a good one talking to the Eagle players today. You and I will be talking about that tomorrow, correct? You're here. You're in. You're going to join me? Uh, yeah. Plan on it. Day to day, baby. Day to day. We shall see uh, who the Eagles make available. We'll be talking about it here on Birds 365 tomorrow in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.